Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam Mishneh Torah, Hilchis Maser Sheni, Veneta Rivoi. These are the laws of the second tithe we've extensively talked about earlier. Now we get into the nitty-gritty of what the second tithe is. And the laws of produce of the fourth year. In Torah it says when you plant a tree you can't use it. You can't benefit from the fruit for the first three years. The fourth year's produce you can take and eat. In Jerusalem, similar to Maser, Shani, similar to the second tithe. Now, in the introductory opening statement, the Rambam says, Yesh Bechlolon, in this general mitzvah, there are Tesha mitzvahs, nine particular mitzvahs, Sholosh, mitzvahs asay, three positive commandments, Veshesh, mitzvahs, Leisase, six negative commandments, Vezehu Proton, and the following is the list of the details of these commandments. Aleph 1, Lehafrish, Maaser Sheni, to set aside the second, to separate or set aside the second tithe. We learned earlier the first tithe, whose laws we just completed, is the 10%, the farmer. The Jew gives to the levy. There's a second tithe on top of that, and that is what we're talking about here called the second tithe. We're going to define it. As we will explain, what is done with the second tithe is usually it is exchanged for money because produce rots, decays very quickly. So you sell the produce to someone else or to yourself. You take the money, set it aside for your next trip to Jerusalem. And then, when you're in Jerusalem, you spend that money on food, drink, and anointing oils. Commandment number two is, these funds should not be spent on anything other than food, drink, anointing oils. Which means you can't spend it on expensive Jerusalem cigars. Do they have expensive Jerusalem cigars? If they don't, they should. Gimel, this food is holy food. It may not be eaten in a state of impurity. It may not be eaten in a state of bereavement. And as we will learn, there is a declaration made where the Jew declares at a certain point in the cycle, I have fulfilled all of my obligations. And he says, I have not eaten from this in a state of bereavement. I have not eaten from this in a state of impurity. Not to partake of any of the second tithe. And this specific mitzvah is of grains. Six is wine. Not to partake of Meiser Shani wine outside of Yerushalayim. And seven is Shleilecha Meiser Yitzar, Chutz Yerushalayim, oil, olive oil. So this is grains, wines, and olive oils. The next commandment is Lias Netanavaya Kulakadish, moving on to the commandment of the fourth year produce, that the produce of the fourth year is totally holy, it can't be eaten 
where one lives, it must be taken. Vidina, its law is leheyachel; it must be eaten. Birushalayim in Jerusalem, live Allah by its owners. Kimai sersheni. The application of the fourth year's produce is identical to the application of the second tithing. The chol for all purposes, which is why it's lumped together here in the Rambam. And finally, Law Nine, a fascinating law. That there is a declaration associated with the giving of tithes, which the Jew makes. Actually, he makes it on the seventh day of Pesach, as we will learn. Ovir mitzvahs elu beprokim elu, and the explanation of these commandments in the upcoming chapters. Pederkrishin, chapter one. Following, setting aside and separating the first tithe, which I said earlier, which as we said earlier, goes to the Levi. Annually, so that the Levite's tithe is done every year of the sixth year cycle leading up to the sabbatical year. Mafrishin, we also set aside and separate Maishasheni, a second tithe. And the reason it's called a second tithe is because it's in addition to the first tithe. Which, by the way, in very round numbers, if you talk about 2% to the Kohen, and what remains of that, 10% to the Levi, 10% 10% of the 98%. And what remains of that? Another 10% for the second tithe, or as we will learn alternatively in certain years, for the poor man's tithe. That could be the source of where we say that charity should be not 10%, but 20%. Because actually the farmers gave away about 20% in very round numbers. So, back to the text. Following the separation of the first tithe, we have to separate the second tithe. Shanem, as it says. This is the famous festival reading. Aser to aser, as called tuas arecha, you shall surely tithe the produce of your seed. That is in years one and two and four and five of the seven-year cycle. Years three and six have a different application of Ashona Shlishis, Vishishis, years three and six, instead of the second tithe. Mafrishin, we set aside and separate Maser Oni, the poor man's tithe. Chalif Maser Sheni, it replaces the second tithe. Kamesha Biarnu, as we explained. So therefore, let's view the seven year agricultural cycle. Truma, the 2% to the coin, every year. Meiser, the 10% to the levy, every year of the six years. Then we get to the Levite's tithe, every year. The second tithe, which we set aside to bring to Jerusalem, year one and two, yes. Year three, that's replaced with the poor man's tithe. Year four and five, yes. Year six, that's replaced with the poor man's tithe. Year seven is the sabbatical year. Everything changes. What is the idea of the poor man's tithe? So it has been said that although 
annually there are gifts given to the poor year, to the poor man, leket, shikha, peya, all of the agricultural gifts we began this book with. Nevertheless, just to give an extra boost to poverty-stricken people in year three and in year six, they're going to get an extra boost of money, of produce, to help them through challenges. So it's not annually four out of the seven years the farmer keeps it for himself and spends it in Jerusalem, but two out of the seven years the the poor people get an extra bonus of charity. Now, that's very nice. We talk about year one and year two and year four and year five. Year three is different, year six is different because year three and six... The poor man's tithe. The question is, when does the year begin? And when does the year end? What's the fiscal year of tithing? So that is dealt with in the halacha of when Rosh Hashanah comes in. As the famous Mishnah in the beginning of Rosh Hashanah says, Arba Rosh Hashanah There are four Rosh Hashanahs. So here the Rambam brings it in halacha, Be'echad betishle Rosh Hashanah, Lamaisa Tfuis, Be'kitnius V'yirokis. When it comes to grains, legumes or beans, vegetables, the fiscal year begins the first day of Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah. So you want to know when year one is? When year one begins, Rosh Hashanah. When year year ends, the last day before Rosh Hashanah. That's the fiscal year. Of what? Grain, beans, vegetables. In general, when we talk about Rosh Hashanah, it's the first of Tishrei. An undefined Rosh Hashanah refers to the first of Tishrei. Now, that is as it relates to the above-mentioned list. Grains, beans, vegetables. What about fruit from trees? So everyone knows that there's a new year for trees. What is this New Year for Trees all about? It's about this. That's what the New Year for Trees is about. On the 15th of Shvat, to Bishvat, who Rosh Hashanah, that is the beginning of the fiscal year of the cycle for tithing of trees. So trees are different than grains, beans, and vegetables. Now, how does this work? And basically, this chapter, chapter 1, is all about when the year begins and when it ends for what kind of produce. If we're talking about two of the three above-mentioned categories, grains and beans, which reached the period of Shoshlishis before the Rosh Hashanah of the third year. Again, let me push the pause button for a second. The big issue here is year one and two is one kind of tithe. Is the tithe that the farmer takes to Jerusalem. Year three is the poor man's tithe. What if it's on the border? What, where does it begin and where does it end? Does it go with the farmer to Jerusalem or does it go to the poor man? So he says that if grains and beans matured, the definition of maturity for the purpose of miser is, it is one-third mature. It grew one-third, as we learned earlier. 
even though it became completely mature and it was harvested in the third year, but being that it was at least one third or more mature, still in the second year, which means it reached the halachic maturity stage. Before the third year, it's counted for second year produce. And therefore, Maprishan men meiser, I'm sorry. Yeah, Maprishan men meiser sheni, so the second tithe, which is the second year application, is applied. So again, in very simple terms, we have grains or beans, which have matured at least a third of their maturity before Rosh Hashanah, even though the maturity was complete before Rosh Hashanah of the third year, even though the maturity was completed in the third year, we still apply to it the fiscal year of the second year. And the second tithe is given instead of the poor man's tithe. But if it did not arrive at the maturity level of tithing, which is one-third growth, until after Rosh Hashanah of the third year. So it's actually a third-year produce of grain and beans. Now we will have to give the poor man's tithe, because it's the third-year application. And so also, paid us on the fruit of trees, we learned earlier when is the new year for trees, the 15th of Shvat, if it reached the period of Miser. What's the definition of period of Miser? One third grown. Before the 15th of Shvat. Of the third year. So again, understand that we're in the third year. Rosh Hashanah happened already, but the fiscal year for trees is three months, three and a half months later. Or whatever it is. Cheshvan, Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev, Teves, four and a half months later. Even though it was completed and harvested in the end of the third year, but being that it was matured more than a third. Before the 15th of Shvat, it has the second year law, so it's Meiser Sheini. The second title, Mavrishim Mehem Meiser Sheini. The same thing applies if in the opposite end of the spectrum. It only reaches the Meiser maturity point before, it reached the Meiser maturity point before the 15th of Shvat of year 4. I'm sorry, before the 15th Shvat of year 4, which is the fiscal year of year 3, even though they were completely matured and gathered well into the fourth year, it's still a third year fiscal tithe. It's still a second year of fiscal tithe, and you give my, I'm sorry, still a third year of fiscal tithe, or mafrishim and maiser oni, so you give the poor man's tithe, because it's not fourth year, but it's third year. But if it didn't mature the third until the 15th of Shvat and later, it goes into the new year. And this is the definition of what we call in today's world a fiscal year. So clearly, the fiscal year for Grains and beans, Rosh Hashanah, the fiscal year for trees, 
the 15th of Shvat. What about Carob, or as we call it, Boxer? Even though it begins to ripen before the 15th of Shvat, Carob is an exception. It moves to the future. Because the entire law of tithing is a rabbinic law here, because it's questionable whether Carobs are real food. says, in that case, this only applies to a particular type of carob of, from Tzalmona, which are not fit for the consumption of most people, and therefore it's only a rabbinic application. But every other carob fruit, it appears to me, and we know whenever the Rambam uses the expression, it appears to me, this is his own opinion, that the carob fruit would be like any other fruit. I'm just going to have a sip of tea. Baruch Now, we talked earlier about three categories. And then we talked about two of the three categories. First, we talked about grains, beans, and vegetables. And then we suddenly switched to only grains and beans. And we talked about the fiscal year. Hayorak, what about the vegetable? The vegetable has a different law. The grains and the beans, it depends if it matures before its new year or not. At least a third. But vegetables have a different application. It is tithed when it is gathered. Because vegetables have a very limited uh, maturity time and a very limited staying time. And it's not like grains and beans. If it was theoretically harvested on Rosh Hashanah of the third year, not that a Jew is allowed to harvest produce on Rosh Hashanah, but, uh, you know, theoretically, a non-Jew did it for some reason, whatever. This is, we're trying to learn the New Year halacha, not the Rosh Hashanah harvesting halacha. Even though it reached the maturity level of tithing, which is at least one-third ripe, the nigmar and it actually was completed in the second year. But here, it's actually harvested in the third year, so we take the third year tithe. Because when it comes to vegetables, the tithing is when they are plucked. And if it was plucked and harvested in the fourth year, we go back to the fourth year tithe, which is my sashini. That's the exception to the rule vegetables. So also in the fruit family, there is an exception of a particular famous fruit. And that is the estrog, what we call the citron fruit. The fruit we use for the blessing on sukkahs. Mishar peirasil, and an exception from all the other fruit trees. It's like a vegetable. And we also... Deal with the estrog from the moment it is plucked, rather from when it was minimally, minimally mature, which is one-third. Commentaries say, because like vegetables, it constantly benefits from water. 
So it benefited from yesterday's water, even though it already matured one-third months ago. Bain Lemaiser, Bain Lishviyas, this applies to the tithing law, which we're learning here, to the law of the sabbatical year, which we'll learn later. Ketzat, for example, in Nilkut Bishlishis Achachamizrat if it was harvested in the third year, following the 15th of Shvat, Mafrishim Imeno Maiseroni, then you take the third year tithe, which is the poor man's tithe, Afalpisha Nigma Bishniya, even though already in the second year it was well more than one third mature. So also if it was harvested in the fourth year, before the 15th of Shvat, which is still the third year of the fiscal year, we take the poor man's tithe. If it is plucked and harvested in the fourth fiscal year, after the 15th of Shvat, we go back to the second tithe, which is the fourth year tithe. And now he says, involve, even though we follow the harvesting moment, an esterg of the sixth year, which entered into the seventh year. Seventh year has a whole different dynamic application because seventh year produce is called Shemitah. It's forbidden. Ordinarily, anything harvested in the seventh year is exempt from tithes, as we said earlier. In the case of the esteric, as long as it was minimum olive size before the seventh year entered, tithing is obligated. So you have the worst of all worlds. You have the tithing law and the Shemitah limitations. Zion, moving right along to some other exceptions... They have the severe application of trees and vegetables. What if they matured minimally, which means up to a third mature in the second year, and then they entered into the third year? They were plucked and gathered before the 15th of Shvat. We have to set aside the first tithe. But then, there's a problem, because we said that vegetables are from the time it's plucked. We also take another tithe, a second tithe. What do we do with that second tithe? We redeem it with money, which is the practice of Maeser Shani. However, here, the Achashapedeo, after he redeems it with money, he gives the produce, La'aniyim, to the poor. So he's now had the best of both worlds. He's given the produce to the poor. He takes the money to Jerusalem and eats it a second tithe. So by doing this prescribed application, he actually does both tithes. He has the best of both worlds, fulfilling the application of the poor man's tithe and the second tithe. Other exceptions. Rice, millet, poppy seed, sesame seed, even though they took root before Rosh Hashanah, we're only interested in the completion of this produce. And therefore, 
they, the, the tithe is done to the future year. Because that's completion. Egyptian beans. Some of it took root before Rosh Hashanah, which is its fiscal year cut off. Some after. Uh, a, a person can gather the entire crop together and separate truma and tithing all together. Because here everything follows the end of the cycle. Here comes an interesting law. What he recalls, what he refers to here as eunuch onions. Why is it called a eunuch onion? Because it doesn't produce the growth that many onions produce, and that's what we call scallions. It doesn't grow the scallion part. That's why it's called a eunuch onion. Where water was withheld from this onion for 30 days before Rosh Hashanah, which means that it didn't really grow for 30 days because all these vegetables need constant water. Unlike grains and beans, which can grow in the field from whatever rain or irrigation or whatever, vegetable garden always needs hand-placed water. It takes a lot of water. So you withheld water for 30 days. Or regular onions. Regular onions that do produce scallions. One withheld water for three periods. Let's say you water it once a week, so you withheld water for three weeks. So here, because you didn't give water, it goes back. But if you held back less... Even though they already started drying, it goes to the future, to when it's harvested. An Egyptian bean that reached a third of its maturity before Rosh Hashanah. In the Egyptian bean, the question is, sometimes it's planted for the seed, and sometimes it's planted for the bean. If you planted it for the seed, then the seed is there. Then you go to the previous years, but if he planted it for the vegetable, we said vegetables are tithed from the time they're plucked. It goes to the future year. What if he planted this Egyptian bean for both purposes? For seeds, and for the vegetable. Or he intended for the seed, and then he says, nah, why not? I'll take the vegetable too. He can take from the seed for the vegetable. He can take from the vegetable for the seed. If it did not mature at least a third before Rosh Hashanah. If you planted it for its seeds, you go back and you do it for the past fiscal year. And the vegetable part, when it's gathered, if it was gathered before Hashanah, if it was gathered after Hashanah, whether for the vegetable or the seed, it is done for the future year. What if he planted it for seeds and thought, changed his mind? and decided to use the vegetable, you can follow his thought, planted it for the vegetable, and then said, no, I'll use the seed, the seed, thought doesn't count, unless he 
held back three periods of watering, as we learned earlier, which Abishlish made of Shona provided that it matured at least a third before the fiscal year. But if it only matured a third after that, even though he did not hold back three waterings, Zroy Lazera, he planted it for seed, and the entire crop grew into fully grown plants before Rosh Hashanah, Zare Misasha then it goes by the past year, but the vegetable always when you gather it, only if part what if only part of them produce greens, and others didn't, you mix them together, and one can apply from the seed to the vegetable and the vegetable to the seed. This is a very complex back and forth law. There are various versions as to which word words should be in this and which words should be changed because this is quite complex. 11. What if second year produce got mixed up with third year produce? So we got a problem. Second year produce has to be taken to Jerusalem and spent on the farmer himself. Third year produce is a different animal. It has to be given to the poor. What if you got it mixed up and you don't know whether you're coming or going? Or third year, which is poor man's tithe, with fourth year, which is second tithe. So here the answer is, going back to the old principle, you follow the majority. If there's 51% second year produce, you follow the second year law. If there's 51% third-year produce, you follow the third-year law. Mechzel, mechzel, what if it's 50-50? Mafrish, Then, when there's a 50-50 issue, and we really don't know, the second tithe, not the poor man's tithe, takes priority. As they used to say in French, Pourquoi? Why? I studied in France. Pourquoi? Not the poor man's tithe. So he gives the reason. Because the second tithe is a more serious prohibition level, sanctity level. Because it's holy. As we will learn in very great detail, the second tithe must be eaten only in Jerusalem. So many rules apply, what can be done, what cannot be done, can't be eaten in a state of impurity, and so on and so on. It's holy food. The poor man's tithe, you're just giving the poor a bonus. It's not holy, it's just an economic benefit for the poor. But the poor could eat from it in a state of impurity, they can eat from it in the cemetery, they can do whatever they want with it. So there's an additional level of holiness to second tithe over poor man's tithe. My Sironi. The poor man's tithe, this chayel is mundane. So also any produce where we're in doubt as to whether it's second year or third year produce. Then the second year produce or, or the second tithing takes priority because it's holy. The rule of thumb is anything that is exempt from the first tithe, the Levite's tithe, Potter minasheni is also exempt from the second tithe. Ominaoni is also exempt from the poor man's tithe. So you have an across the board rule. If it doesn't require 
first tithe, it also doesn't require second and poor man's tithe. The Chalshechayah Berishan, if it does require that the first tithes be set aside for the Levi, Chayah Bishneim, it also is required to do the other two, the second tithe and the poor man's tithe. Bechol HaTayyidim, the rule is anything that requires the heave offering, the 2% given to the Kohen, called Truma, Meitzi Maser, the Maser is also required. Bechol Sheinatayyidim, anything that's not required to do Truma from, Eina Meitzi Maser there, you don't need the Maser. Anyone who, if he set aside the Kohen's 2%, it would be correctly done and it would hold the same law applies if he set aside this tithe. And if for whatever reason the act was not complete and the Truma would not be called Truma, so also Anything that was done in the separation of this tithe is not called a true separation of tithe. Thirteen, Yud Gimel. Pay the Shaitzim and Maiser Rishon Kedim Shikabala Maiser. We learned much earlier that there is a series of events, six situations, Hilchas Maiser, chapter three, which cause you to enter into the Maiser obligation. Six events that can take place. Anything, if there's a situation where somebody set aside the first tithe before any of these events occurred, so he went early on that, he can continue to snack from it before he gives the second tithe. Because the fact that you jumped the gun on the first tithe does not mean that you've already jumped into the second tithe. But when it experienced one of those six transitions, when it was already established for Miser, and I think it might be a good idea just to take a moment and go back and just refresh our memories on what those six events are. And they are bringing it into one's courtyard, doing a financial transaction, buying or selling, having it exposed to fire, cooking it, roasting it, salting it, setting aside truma, or the Shabbos passing by this completed food. Those are the six, and they are explained in great detail earlier in chapters 3 and 4 of the laws of tithing. So, again, Anything which did not experience any of these six, and the, the farmer jumped the gun and did the second tithe, that doesn't obligate an early first tithe. But if one of these six events occurred, even though he took the first one, he took the first tithe, it's forbidden for him to eat of this food even as a snack until he ties the second tithe or the poor man's tithe. Yudalid Maser Sheini, second tithe. Being that it is required to bring it to Jerusalem. That's the only one of the tithes where you actually have to take it and bring it to Jerusalem. So, unlike many other things, our sages did not 
require that this be done when somebody lives in the diaspora. So it's only an Israel law. It would be very similar to the firstborn animal law, which does not have to be brought from outside of Israel, even rabbinically. Therefore, our sages did not obligate Jews living very close to Israel, Syria. Syria is just on the other side of the border. Very close to Syria. They were, not, they were very close in Syria. They were not obligated for second tithe. So the Rambam says, but Houston, we got a problem because we know that second tithe was obligated in Babylon. It was obligated within the Egyptian Jewish communities. Why? We just said it shouldn't be. But we know that there was, so they would redeem it and bring its money to Jerusalem. The Rambam says, it appears to me that the only reason our sages required Babylon and Babylonian and Egyptian Jews to set aside the second tithe, even though they are diaspora Jews, it's more for the third year. And the sixth year. It's more for the poor man's tithe. Because the poor man's tithe replaces the second tithe in years three and six. And our sages wanted to give the poor a bonus, an extra chance. So that the poor can rely on an extra infusion of cash. End of chapter one.